Welcome to the Green Lectionary Podcast, a production of Creation Justice Ministries. The Green Lectionary is a conversation on scripture through the lens of creation justice. My name is Derek Weston, and today we will be looking at a text for Ash Wednesday as we begin the season of Lent. For this episode, I'm joined by Wilson Dickinson, faculty at Lexington Theological Seminary and author of the recently released Singing the Psalms with My Son, Praying and Parenting for a Healed Planet, and Katie Steinberg, pastor of First Presbyterian Church, Daytona Beach. Before we jump into our show, I want to give a quick plug for one of Creation Justice Ministries' other programs, Blue Theology. Blue Theology is a place where current science in marine biology meets a theology of creation justice. Each summer, we host youth groups to engage in experiential learning, service projects, and contemplative practice with God's marine creation. We have outposts in North Carolina, Newport Beach, California, and Texas City, Texas, and registration is open now. To learn more, go to bluetheology.com. Join us now as we look at Isaiah 58 through the lens of creation justice. Okay, our passage for today is Isaiah 58 verses 1 to 12, one of my favorites. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall shine, shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. So friends, where is creation in this passage? Um, I'll start just because in hearing this again, man, a lot comes up for me around um, oof, calling out white Christian nationalism, which I know is not exactly our topic, but as I hear it, it's like this, this putting on the front um, without living into the action. So when I attach that to um, creation and thinking about man, like social media and Instagram and like sort of, it has become popular in some circles to talk the talk of mm. care for creation, um, to talk the talk of, you know, 
recycling and like cleaning up the beach and like these cute little things we do to like act like we care. And, um, and I just hear such a loud call out of that. Mm -hmm. I think particularly, um, even though I, I called out white Christian nationalism first, I think also we hide behind this often as sort of progressive, um, you know, Christian folks, we uh, want to say the right things. And then we have a whole list of reasons why we can't behave in the ways that this actually calls us to behave. Um, and so for me, there's there's like an unveiling, a, a revealing in this passage that says, okay, let's get real here. You know, that little piece about being real with your people and, you know, not hiding your nakedness. I feel like that has a lot to do with like, we have to be honest and vulnerable about the fact that we're by and large failing at what it means to care for for creation and what it means mm. to um, have this sustainability to be these repairers of the breach you know it talks mm. about like to to create this land and things this legacy that will live on and wholeness and goodness and wellness and um, so my, my initial sort of feeling here is just the, the oh the kind of punch in the gut of like we just got to do better y'all even if mm. we're saying the right things and we're posturing and we're trying to make these connections and uh and and you know my my first thing was pointing a finger and then my second thing is like the <laughs> fingers that are pointing back at us right <laughs> um so so all of that sort of starts to um coalesce around this this passage for me yeah well to, to kind of follow on what Katie was saying about kind of the false pieties for me, the, the heart of creation in this passage is actually not in this passage, but the next two verses, right? Mm -hmm. and, so, and, and so the Sabbath part, right? So there's the false Sabbath that's called out, but then there's this kind of deep Sabbath, right? So the next two verses, if you refrain trampling the Sabbath from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Right, and so I think what what looking at the Sabbath does for us is it it gives us both a positive vision of what Isaiah fifty eight is actually calling for, and I think it also gives some some more like specificity and a system systemic account of what the problem is, right? So, so just to rehearse a little bit right, of a creation reading of the Sabbath, right? So like, you know, we'll get this from Norman Wurzbach, right? Sabbath is the crowning of creation. It's got seven days of creation. God, it's, rest is not God taking a break. It's, this is the delight of all creation being together in fullness. But there's this really big liberatory part of Sabbath, right? So where Ten Commandments, this is Rick Lowry's line, the Sabbath is the hinge. It's the hinge between the commandments about relationship with God and the commandments that are about relationship with neighbor and economics. Mm -hmm. And in, in the law, Sabbath is about liberation, right? It, it's oftentimes it's, it's accompanied with the reminder that you were once slaves in Israel, right? So Sabbath is the crowning of creation. It's the rhythms of creation. And then it's the restoration of those rhythms when they've been broken by sin. Right. And so then you, you, you see that. And so so the Sabbath is not so much about purity. It's about release and it's about restoration. Right. So, again, Sabbath, Sabbath. What is the Sabbath day? It is a day of rest and delight. 
not just for us, for everyone, right? For all laborers. Remember, you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. It's rest for animals. In the longer Sabbath cycle, right, every seven years, there's a Sabbath for the land. And there's also, a, there's also Sabbath laws every seven years that address issues of debt and that also free slaves and demand reparations. And then every seven Sabbath cycles, right, there's a year jubilee where you have structural change of, you change who holds land, right? It's, it's, it's restored to an equitable distribution, the, the basic resources of economics, right? So, so in Isaiah 58, we have a, a, a Sabbath vision, right? It's in a Sabbath vision of release. And I think this, so then if we take these last two verses and we go back to the first few verses, right, when it talks about sin and rebellion, we have content for that, right? It's not about individual sin. It's about this structural brokenness. Verse three gives us to that clear. It is about the exploitation of workers, right? It's about breaking the, the, the kind of the rhythms of creation and then creating this destruction. Right? And, so, and so then I think that also takes us then into verse six, right? Where again, that this is about liberation, not just maybe charity or good works, right? So, so verse six is, is about the breaking of the boat, the, the yokes and the bonds. And, and Jesus makes an appeal to this, right? In Luke four, where he takes verse six and splices it into this piece of Isaiah 61 for his first sermon, right? And then, and, and that's also at the end of that first sermon, he calls out this, this jubilee here, right? So, so I guess I, I think that that puts creation right into the place of justice and spirituality if we kind of lift up Sabbath. I really like that. I think one of the things that draws my attention um, is, the, is one of the ways that righteousness and justice being performed causes creation to respond. That if, if we speak after God in, in the ways that are legit and real, then, you know, we will, we will be like those who are satisfied in parched places, right? We will be like those who are tended to and cared for by creation. And it actually kind of, to me, brings up a mutuality that if we do our part, creation will do its part. Um, if we do our part as co-creators, as we do our part as co-conspirators with the creating God, um, then creation will do its part of taking care of us, of making sure that we're fed. Um, if we're doing what it, what's required to feed others. Um, and here I, I feel like there is, there is, it's not just a metaphor, right? And I think it, we, one of the, one of the, problems one of the struggles of of reading scripture is like what do we take figuratively and what do we take literally and there are places where i think we can do both um because for for these people for the people for isaiah's audience god's god's provision god's showing up in in the flourishing of creation god's showing up in we have enough water we have enough food um, was was not just like not just spiritually fed, you know. So often we go to like I'm just being spiritually I'm being spiritually fed. You no know, people for 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 the people of this time for the people 
who are Isaiah's audience, God shows up for them as bread. God shows up for them as water. Um, and and there's a reminder here that to our neighbor, um, God can show up as bread and God can show up as water. Um, if we are willing to be, you know, the the instruments of that. I also, I, I, I think it's interesting, the use of yoke and I and and Wilson to your to your point that like um a lot of this feels like liberation in terms of uh workers who are oppressed and it definitely speaks to that. But when I think of yoke, I think of yoked animals. Um and what does it mean in this circumstance to to break every yoke? And I think that that um that goes to your point about Sabbath, that like part of breaking every yoke is, is that period where we let creation rest, that period where we, where, we, where we treat creation as an equal partner in the co-creating work. Um, so I think, I think there's creation shows up in a lot of really beautiful and maybe unexpected ways in this in this passage which on 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 its face feels very um anthropocentric um feels very human centered feels like it's very centered around human um interactions so how is god calling us to interact with creation in this passage I think you kind of already spoke to that a little bit, Derek, because um, it's this piece of partnership is what I'm hearing most loudly versus the sort of domineering, uh, dominating and, and, you know, wringing out every little bit of sort of gain we can from the land, from, you know, the animals, from those we treat like animals, um, you know, and I, I think that that's sort of the crux of of the calling there is how can there be a space of more partnership and connection that implies relationship, that implies trust. Another piece of kind of what you've already hearkened to as far as if we take care of creation, creation takes care of us. Um, and I think there's also a piece of like, this may sound a little woo, but um, like love in there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I take a walk every morning here around um, some water and trees and things that are here in a park. And um, this funny thing started happening where I started to sort of like, feel like I was relating to some of the trees how far am I going to go out with this but um but it, just, <laughs> it like it like warms me in a strange way because I see these same trees basically every morning you know they're always there with their leaves in their shade and they're you know and be, and I just feel like some affection for them and uh it just I, I don't know that I've ever really felt like I was relating to creation land a tree in this way before in my like mm. life experience and it just it has opened up for me especially in the context of this conversation there's an this idea that there could be like relationship with land that isn't one way you know even mm. if so so I think most people could not along to the idea that we can't just rape and pillage the land and expect it to go on indefinitely like right like capitalism lied to us it's not just going to go up in the right forever then we can just take what we want and you know live happily ever after i, th I think mo most people are probably can agree with and acknowledge that 
but then to also sort of take it to the next level in my imagination of like relating of interconnectedness of like actually caring not just in this superficial oh I'm gonna pick up some trash for the sea turtles way I live near the beach so anyway and that's a beautiful thing to do and I don't mean to diminish that entirely but is there another unfolding revealing opening up possibility layer of that that we're being called into in our relationship with land earth and and all of its creatures I would include humanity even even in that instead of sort of the ranking and the deciding who's worth it and who's not and what's worth it and what's not and how much can we possibly gain from this um, maybe maybe the, maybe kingdom calls us to another way yeah and, and to continue kind of this thinking about the the yoke and our relationship to it it, it makes me think of christopher carter's line about how certain human beings, like certain racialized human beings are often associated with animals. And the move he wants to make is not to say they're not animals. The move he wants to make is let's rethink what we say about humans and kind of lean into some aspects of animality, right? So, so, so that, you know, cause he wants to say, he, he, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to accept this kind of long trajectory of the white man, right? as defining humans, and then let's include more people into that category. Instead, let's interrogate and destroy that category and then think more deeply about animals, right? Think more deeply about our relatedness to other beings because part of what the work does of like denigrating animality, I think denigrates certain kinds of human labor. It denigrates certain aspects of bodily life. And I think if we, if we attend more deeply to those aspects of labor, of life, there's actually connectedness there, right? There's connectedness to other people and there's connectedness to the earth that goes through that. So I think, so part of the, the, the way we're called to, I think, interact with, with creation then is, is to really think about our, our animality, our, our, our bodiliness, our connectedness, our vulnerability, um, but also the, the roles that we play like you, like you said earlier, as, con as conspirators and co-creators with, with the earth. And so I think that gets us into a space where like caring for creation isn't just about like how we consume or what we conserve, right? It's, it's about these spaces of production and work and labor and, and what goes on there and, and really like kind of thinking about what goes on there instead of just trying to look away. Or, or trying to like, you know, put it out of sight or, you know, look down on that kind of labor. So I think it turns our attention to how we interact with creation through our labor. I think it also turns our attention to how we interact um, with creation through our labors of, of care. Because right? there's, there is, you know, a certain thing we look at with work and that's often kind of a gendered, uh, kind of as gendered dynamics of what counts as work. But then there's this other kind of labor that is often gendered with women all these labors of care. And so I think that that's the site of, um, of, of where we're calling to look at where God's calling us to interact with creation. And I think that's, that's part of what's going on in, in this Isaiah passage, right? Because, so like verse seven, you know, where, where there's, you know, feeding the hungry and housing the homeless and, you know, clothing the naked. 
there's relational language in there, right? This is not charity, right? It says to share your bread with the hungry. It says to mm. share your house and then calls these people your kin. Mm. Right. So 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 it and so I think that there is there's an aspect of like solidarity at work here, right? Where everybody's kind of in the same boat. And so what's that issue is are, are these issues of care and and labor that I think are connected, right? Because because in verse 10, there there is stuff in there that is not charity, it's about mutual aid, and it's framed in terms of spirituality. And I think that's also where some of the Sabbath stuff gets us, is, is it helps us approach these issues with a kind of like a, a spiritual inflection. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and what both of you have said about um, the connections between um, thinking about labor, thinking about the ways that we treat animals, thinking about the, the ways that we treat people like animals and the ways that historically using that kind of language um, to take away people's humanity, to deny them their humanity. Um, I think that it's such an important part of, of this conversation because, you know, what I, what I see in this, in this passage, one of the reasons that I, I, I just, it is one of my favorites and, it, and I absolutely love it, is that I see an overall call for justice. And one of the things that I think we've talked about on the show before is, you know, the justice that we we um, extend to our neighbor, we have to broaden the definition of neighbor to include our non-human neighbor. And so when we when we begin to ask these questions, I think part of part of what I'm getting, or how we're being called to interact with creation here, is to seek justice for creation as 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 fervently as we seek justice for other humans um as as doggedly as we would pursue justice for the hungry and the naked among us as as um passionately as we would for um those who we see who are being oppressed in the workplace and underpaid and forced to work in hard conditions but those same things can be said of our non-human neighbors and, and the ways in which we, again, the ways in which we begin to seek justice for them um, will begin to benefit us and benefit us as communities. You know, I, 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 um, and I'm glad you brought up Christopher Carter, uh, our, our, our friend, Reverend Dr. Christopher Carter, who, wrote this beautiful book, um, The Spirit of Soul Food, who, who talks a lot about Black veganism. And, and I don't go as far as he does in terms of veganism, but I, but I, do, um, I do appreciate the, the call that he gives us to think about the inherent dignity of, of non-human creation. And when you think about things like factory farming yeah you know this is the kind of first thing that comes to my mind as i think about what does it mean to break the yokes of of animals who have been made to be subservient to us in some horrible ways i think about breaking down like conventional agriculture i think about releasing animals from from that thing and recognizing that when we get to spaces of more regenerative agriculture, 
not only are animals treated better, but humans are healthier and the soil is healthier and the land is healthier and, and the water is cleaner and all of these sorts of things that lead to overall health. Um, so I, 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 in this, I hear just like this really, uh, that, that the way that we're called to interact with creation is to seek justice for it in the ways that we would seek justice for our neighbors, our family, our, 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 the oppressed who are in our communities. Um, it's, it's really challenging to, to um, think about the ways in which we might be falling short on, on that front. But I think we've touched on this a little bit. So um, where is there then a call to action for the church? Well, Derek, part of what I've heard in, in our conversation too is um, this, this idea has been percolating for me in a number of spaces recently, but this idea that like, we're becoming a little more comfortable with um, a sort of lamenting what's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. um, where I think we need to go from lament is instead of just Okay, so I was driving over the bridge on the way to my house, and there's like this pick, this big uh, dump truck, right? And it's like shooting off black smoke, and I'm like, oh, that's just awful, you know? Like, um, but I need to move from from lament to uh, to confess, because lament, I'm I'm looking out and seeing seeing a problem that makes me sad. Most generally speaking, uh, confess. I'm saying, okay, these are the ways that I'm a part of the problem, and in, until I can confess, I don't think that I can take appropriate action because otherwise, my action just becomes mm -hmm. all about how everybody else is wrong, and I get to stay on my righteous high horse, which we Christian folk just really love to do, <laughs> um, and I'm pretty exhausted with. I'm, I'm just, I'm getting, I'm becoming increasingly difficult or tired of and, and exhausted by um, pointing outward, even though. Which is which is ironic because that's how I started my very first comment. Outward and others, see, I'm still afflicted. There's confession, um, but um, but I think that's part of it. I also just in some of what we've talked about too. Um, there's for me in in particularly when um, Wilson was talking. There's um, this unique feminine possibility um, that mm. comes up. If so, our I think that our faith in in um, Religion has been dominated by patriarchal thinking, which um, has a more domineering bent to it, traditionally speaking, no offense to the gentleman present, but um, in versus a more feminine, right, which it's like growing a thing in your person. I mean, that's housing, <laughs> right? Like, and then you give birth to this thing and then you nurture them from your own body feeding right and then we we swaddle up this little being and we do you know and that's clothing and it just makes me think about if we can embrace our 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 femininity the divine feminine this nurture piece kinds of comes up is is birth shall we should we, we could midwife this in a way as as church as um believing people might that create a space that we need in order to nurture and love differently, um, more fully in a way that I think has been neglected by and large, by institution and, and religion and sort of um, the very masculine interpretations of, of many of our texts. Um, and, and when you were talking about sort of seeking justice for creation as we would, 
tied to this for me, the, what populated in my own mind, though you didn't explicitly say it, was in the way I would for my children. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, because mm -hmm. that's somebody I will, I will fight for in ways that I won't, I won't fight for my neighbor. I won't fight for myself. But my children, those, thing, those humans that I grew in my person, those humans who I've, in mm -hmm. my scenario, have invested the last decade in, who now, by the way, kind of hate me, which sucks anyway. <laughs> and you still love them and nurture them, right? Like they, uh, you know, I go from being the best to the worst super fast here. And yet it doesn't change <laughs> um, my calling and my sense of, of nurture and, and attempting to love these humans, you know, these people, these creatures. So I'm it just, I don't have a fully formed, put a neat bow on it thought here, but just there seems like there's, a piece of embracing um, our, our femininity and the nurture that's been, um, I think, naturally comes to women in many cases, but also is something we've kind of had had to do um, and how that might make space for how we think about nurturing and standing up for for creation in, in these loving feminine ways that aren't just let me pull out my sword and chop down anything that gets in my way, you know? Yeah, I have. I, I think that kind of where this is maybe calling the church to act in Lent really connects with two, with you know the spaces you all have moved into. But I, I first do want to kind of say I, I think that there there's a lot of traps that go along with Lent that I think are captured in this passage about the what the Sabbath you don't want, right? So. So, so there is, and, 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 and part of these traditions does have to do with a certain kind of masculinity, a certain kind of patriarchy, right? But there is, there are all these spiritual traditions that are about purity, right? Or that are about looking in at yourself, trying to get control over a situation. It's a spirituality of what am I going to give up? What am I responsible for? I'm going to reflect on myself, right? And so it's, it's just this, all this turning in, um, but, you know, but what if instead of that Sabbath tradition of purity, right, because that's, and that's what Jesus, I think, is fighting against, you know, so when there's the Jesus and Sabbath stories, Jesus is not against the Sabbath, he's against uh, an elite, an elite interpretation of the Sabbath, in which what the Sabbath is about, is about when the right and virtuous people do the right thing, and that's how the world works, and that saves everybody, instead of the Sabbath being about the restoration of God's creation for all, through release and, and liberation, right? So Jesus goes to a field with the disciples and they glean on the Sabbath, right? Because what's the Sabbath for? It's for feeding people. It's for restoring that. It's for being in right relationship with creation. So anyway, I think that our, our Lent, right? So as, as we're looking at Lent, we're looking at this wilderness wandering. It shouldn't be about giving things up. It should be about, you know, and, and, if, and if it is about imitating Christ and imitating Christ out in the wilderness, we never imitate Christ as individuals. We always do it as the body of Christ, right? So it's about our communal activity. And so I, I could imagine this inviting the church into Lent, thinking about it from the Sabbath of justice, right? And so that might mean thinking about interrogating our spiritualities around labor and work, thinking about, you know, what, what does, you know, what, what, what does the, the ethic of work in America in the United States, in a lot of our contexts, how does that shape our hearts? How does that shape our relationships? How does that shape our communities? 
And I think if we interrogate that, it's it's less about wearing the sackcloth of like, oh, we have all the power and we need to be different. Instead, I think that, you know, almost everyone is not a little lord at work, right? At best, we're middle managers. For the most part, we have very little agency in our in our workplaces. And this is one of the things I like about like the, the show Succession, right? <laughs> if anybody's watched that, where it's like even the people at top, it's the people up, up at the top are not masters of the universe. They're actually these sad little people who are themselves subject to the discipline of the market, and it twists them. It doesn't make them powerful. Doesn't make them happy. It twists them just like it twists the rest of us, right? So, so when we think about work. Hopefully that gets us to a place of solidarity, right? To where it's not just like, again, turning in on yourself and being like, look at all the stuff I've done wrong. It's like, oh, look at all these things that are kind of these yokes, these bonds. And I think that some of the spaces of liberation are exactly what Katie was pointing to me for me. And shameless plug, most recent book I wrote, Seeing the Psalms with Your Son, is, is about looking at the spaces of parenthood, you know, and, and as, as a guy especially important for me, but looking at the spaces of care and parenthood at these spaces of home to try and find an alternative logic, to find a different way of being together, a different way of understanding life, a different set of social scripts. And, and, and they're not pure, right? I mean, all this stuff has infiltrated the home, frames the home. All this stuff has also infiltrated the church. The church, like, you know, every time that somebody says the church is essentially a business, they're saying that whole ethic of work, it applies here. There's no escape from it, right? So, so there are ways in which like the home and the church are not these like clear outsides, but they are places where we have uh, still a, a, a vision of how it could be different. So I wonder if in Lent, we can look towards spaces of care or we can think about work communally together. We can think about that to think about what a Sabbath of justice looks like. I, and, and one last thing, to what Derek was saying earlier about Christopher Carter, I also wonder, wouldn't it be interesting to do Lent and say like, okay, for Lent, what we're giving up and giving into is like black veganism, right? So you, you read Christopher Carter's book, you like experiment with like giving up different kind of animal products and you just kind of spiritually reflect on that. I don't know, that could be interesting. So many good thoughts here. Um, one of the, you know, I come kind of full circle back to where where Katie started us, and I think one of the one of the first things I I see as a call to action is um, giving up our 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 self righteousness um, and and giving up our you know really giving up our seat as the hero, like so so what where this where this is starting where this where this passage starts is with a people who think of themselves as the hero, who have done the heroic fast already, who have hum we've humbled ourselves, right? Like um, what the prophet is telling them is like, no, you're, you're not actually the heroes of the story. Um, let go of that image of yourself where you're the hero of the story, because there's so many places where, where we, we, fall short and where our our language about who we are and our actions about who we are don't line up. And they certainly don't line up with what we we can intuit as what God wants for us. So that's one of the things that I, as I see as a call for action is like, particularly in the season of Lent, as we're 
uh, thinking about this passage for Ash Wednesday, that this is a this is a time to remember, um, you know, not, not only are we dust, but that we're not the hero. Um, and maybe that that might be harder for some of us than than remembering that we're dust, because at least you know we can maybe think of some redeeming quality for dust. But in a, in a in a scenario where we're not the hero, that's an even harder self definition. But then I jump to the end of the passage, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. All of that is implied that that's all good. All of that is a good thing. Well, those are good things to be, um, rebuilder of ancient ruins. And um, we have, in our country, we have old growth forests that are being um, decimated for lumber. Um, we have coastlines we have that are being um, destroyed and eroded. We have coral reefs around the world um, that have existed for, I mean, literally millions of years that are that are dying off in ways that we've we've never seen before. To think about those ancient ruins, to think about those foundations of many generations, to think about the mountaintop removal that's happening in parts of our country, to think about um, what does it mean for us to be restoring those? What does it mean for us to be in the place of restoring them? Um, you know, so again, Katie, I really appreciate the, the, the move from, from lament, because yeah, it's really easy to point out the, here's what's wrong. And it's even sometimes, you know, we can we even make that step from here's what's wrong and here's how I'm contributing to what's wrong. But it's you know, the hardest piece of this is to here's what's wrong. Here's how I've been contributing to what's what's wrong. Now, here's how I'm going to make it right. Here's my part, at least my little part of trying to make the wrong of which I've been so systemically a part. I'm going to try and make it right uh, to the best of my ability, to the, the extent of my resources and to the extent of, and, and, and Wilson, that one of the reasons I love having conversations like this with you is because you always remind us that this is communal. Like, you know, so much of what I've, even what I've just said was so much I, 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 but like, how do we um, get back to being the restorers, the rebuilders? Um, the repairers. Um, how do we make that a communal thing? How do we make that a part of a communal identity of being a part of communities of faith and being a part of the uh, the community of faith? Um, to me, that feels like a worthwhile Lenten pursuit is figuring out how we become restorers, rebuilders, repairers. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. This has been great, guys. Um, thank you so much for um, spending some time with this passage, for thinking about um, the ways that we connect this to our Lenten journey and the ways that we connect this to um, 
the start of our Latin journey and the ways that we think about um, how we pursue justice for creation um, as we start to um, let go of that image of ourselves um, and live into the justice that God has called us to. So Katie Wilson, thank you so much for this really rich conversation. Thank you for joining us for the Green Lectionary Podcast. This episode was produced by Sprocket Wagner, and the music was provided by Christian McIver. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help us spread the word with a good review. And leave us a comment to let us know how you've used the show and how we can make it more useful for your ministry. You learn more about this and other programs of Creation Justice Ministries at creationjustice.org. Our story comes alive within these pages For every time and place throughout the ages God speaks and is heard in the enduring word Calls us to care for our world as we share the love that can set creation free Restoring the earth to wholeness, peace, and harmony. Let the songs of the water, land, and sky resound. Cause together we're all bound within these pages. There's always new life to be found.